0: Welcome back to the Moist Love Zone. This is your host, DJ Brown Sugar. And I'm over here spinning those buttery blends. And we're taking your requests at 248-697-7325, that's 132-798-6795. And we got a request right now. And this one goes out to my dog Finn, this side piece chain, DJ Brown Sugar. And this next song goes out to my man Skip Bayless and his wife Gertrude. And you're listening to the Love Zone with DJ Brown Sugar, and I'll be here all night long. In the morning, too, I'll make you breakfast and pancakes and waffles. Oh, baby. And
1: a. goose Podcast. Showed up. Shout out. What'd he do? Uh, yeah. Ooh, no. Oh, boy. Uh. Yeah, that's the vibe right there, man. You like that, Sam? Of that bagger. You are now tuned in to the Valentine's Day episode of Two Gods and a Goose. Two episodes in a month. This is really unlike us. Brand new record. New record. Uh, we're here. It's the NBA trade deadline just passed. Everybody's coming to us. They've been waiting to hear our thoughts on everything. So we're we're here for the people. We're the people show. Is that kind of mm-hmm. would that be fair fair to say?
0: Yeah. I mean, we have always been here for the people, and we will always be there
1: for the people. You sounded super convincing right there.
0: Yeah, I mean, we are we're here, and I'm I'm
1: really excited to get into it. There will also be—I've been told there will be a return of a uh, character on the show that that people have become quite fond of. That is very relevant on this Valentine's Day episode. The bad tech merchant. <laughs> nice work,
0: thank you. It's relevant, uh, right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's so relevant. We
1: won't spoil it, but he could pop in at any point during the show today. that fair to fair to say? I love when I'm asking you a question. You sit back in your chair and drink your beer.
0: <laughs> I thought I had a break it's at that okay. moment. Um, turns out I didn't. It's a good beer, though. It's a Fulton. Uh, it's a local brewery. Um, it's called Lonely Blonde. Uh, and that's, it's actually fitting because this Valentine's Day, I will be like, Let lonely. the people
1: know where they can find us. Also, tell them about the merch.
0: Yeah, so you can find our merch on tpublic.com. You search uh, Two Gods and a Goose. Uh, depending on which, which shirt you buy, um, proceeds will go towards a certain charity. There's like four different charities. So that's that. You can find it on T Public, And then you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. You can follow both Keith and I on Twitter. Um, I'm definitely a better follower than Keith. So definitely follow me at Sham Sham God, um, And you can follow Keith at, at NBS023. That's where you can find us. You can also find me in Minneapolis. Uh, my address <laughs> is... Uh, no. So
1: uh, I want to check yes. in uh, and, and do... We'll talk the trade deadline. There was a, a couple deals that happened. I want to talk the NBA... I want to check in actually with sham, conspiracy theorist. Uh, I want to check in with him in a second, but there was something else that floated into my world in the last 24, 36 hours. Um, show talked about it, uh, yesterday. It was something that happened on social media, on the Twitter, on the Twitter application. Chris Long of the uh, Philadelphia Eagles made a statement on Twitter. I read the statement as obviously but there was a lot of people that had strong feelings around this. So Chris long had tweeted. Did you, do you know anything about the story or you're all learning? I have no idea. Okay. So Chris long had tweeted chili cheese Fritos instant hall of fame. And I read that as chili, of course, chili cheese Fritos are like the goat, one of the goats of chips. And I know that we like to have our, our um, food conversations here. The, the people love our food takes and all that. But I just want to confirm mm-hmm. with you.
0: No, I have a few thoughts on that. So first of all, did you know that um, if you smell your dog's paw, it smells like Fritos? The second thing I'm gonna say is I don't know whether he's speaking about the actual flavor, chili cheese Fritos, like the actual like the actual Frito flavor you can buy, or if he's talking about walking tacos, which are you get the the, the Cheetos or sorry the uh, Fritos bag. And you put chili and cheese and some other, you know, accoutrements on top of it. What
1: the hell you were talking about right now? So, Uh, you've completely lost me. First off, you know, I don't have a dog. So how would I smell my dog's paws? I'm just putting it out there that it, it does indeed smell like a Frito. Now I'm not
0: a big fan of Fritos, the, the chips as is. And honestly, I'm not a big fan of chili cheese Fritos, but I'm a big fan of walking tacos where you put chili and cheese and onions and whatever else you want to put on there it on the actual fritos in the bag close it up
1: let it kind of like get you know congee a little bit and eat it that's fantastic it tastes like prison food it's fantastic you have no idea what prison food tastes like you've never been to prison number one uh number two that has nothing to do with what we're talking about that that has zero relevance to what we're discussing right here i'm just making a point why i wanted to ask you about the chili cheese fritos thing is because there was a lot of Pushback and specifically I heard from one of our favorites certainly one of my favorite people Stan Van Gundy who pushed back and said He is a plain guy with chips. He likes only the plain chips. He doesn't deal with like Ridges and he likes the regular lays. He likes Tostitos the regular Tostitos He doesn't like like the the dipping ones. He likes everything plain so I was like I didn't know that this 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 group of people existed So I wanted to bring it to the forefront at Two Guys and a Goose because I feel like we are kind of, you know, the food, the food show. Everybody goes to Food Network. You know, it's really us and diners, drive-ins, and dives are the food. That's where you go for the food take. So, you know, I was trying to understand the concept of plain Jane stuff. People like that stuff, and then at the same time, chili cheese Fritos. I'm not a huge Frito person, but if I was to eat Fritos, chili cheese Fritos are clearly the best.
0: No, I mean, I think. Like plain chips have their own place. Like I wouldn't use like flavored tortilla chips to dip in my salsa, nor would I really use plain chips to to dip in in like chip dip. I would prefer like the flavored kind. And uh, I don't really understand not liking. I mean, the scoops doesn't make any sense to me because they literally are the same chip. It's just formed in a way that makes it easier to scoop. And there are a few things worse than oh, great, agree. Dipping a chip and having it break in your dip or salsa or because then you have to fish out that whatever that, that remaining piece or if you don't
1: feel like doing that that at the end of your salsa or dip experience you have all these soggy chips i kind of came at this unplanned as far as the chip thing i just wanted to make sure you weren't a lunatic uh but let's table that let's do a um chip conversation on a coming episode let's let's really get into the i didn't I didn't know there was this much interest in the chip world, but apparently there's some real strong feelings about the chip world So
0: yeah, we've covered ice cream. We've covered hot dogs and now chips is the only is the next logical thing to cover
1: Right. Okay, so we'll do that coming up uh, The other thing I wanted to check into uh, Before we get to the NBA trade deadline and and there's a lot to get to with that but I wanted to swing back around to a character we we met on the last episode that I became quite fond of, and that is um, Sham, comma conspiracy theorist, in relation to the NFL. So I wanted to check back with—I don't know if you have to get in character or—and and see what he thought about the New England Patriots winning another Super Bowl. Uh, you know, apparently nobody believed in them according to Tom Brady. So they get the, uh, the the wild underdogs in New England get the get another championship, and I wanted to kind of check back and see what Sham, comma conspiracy theorist, thought of the Super Bowl.
0: First of all, there's no character I have to get into. This this is just what it is. The Patriots were destined to be in the Super Bowl, and they got all the calls in the Super Bowl that they, that they wanted, whether it's pass interference calls or roughing the passer calls. They got all the calls in what is probably the most boring game in the history of football. And, of course, they're going to win it. It's Tom Brady. It's Boston. It's the most annoying team in the NFL, and, of course, they're going to win. Um, but there will be a point where they will lose on that grand stage and that will be the end of the
1: like the Patriots realm. So that would there was really
0: no reason for us to watch that game, correct? I mean you watch for the commercials, which were also pretty bad. No, oh, they were terrible. They're really bad this year. I mean, they've been bad for a few years now. I can't remember like the the last really funny Super Bowl commercial.
1: No, they were good before you were born. Did they even have TV before I was born? Uh, so let's transition to the NBA. Uh, the trade deadline happened, uh, what, Thursday? It was kind of a, is it fair to say an anticlimactic trade deadline to an extent? Is that, is that fair to say, Sham? No, there were a lot of, I mean, if the
0: climax is Anthony Davis, then yeah, there was anticlimactic. But I think there were a lot of good moves that did shape the both conferences, um, especially the East.
1: What was the, uh, the trade that stuck out to you the most?
0: Well, I think it's easily Tobias Harris to Philadelphia. Because I mean, as as Detroit Pistons fans and ICB writers, so we've we've seen Tobias Harris, we've seen what he can do, we've seen what he can bring to a team. He can never be a number one. He was given that opportunity in Detroit and completely fell on his face. And then that led to the trade to LA and and whatnot. And like eventually he got traded to to, to Philly on Thursday. And and now they have a legitimate big four that not that isn't just Four great players. They're four great players that fit well together. And that's, that's the one thing that people don't, like, people don't understand about the Warriors. Like, they are four amazing players, but those four players fit perfectly together. Like, they complement each other's game so well. And we're kind of seeing the same thing in Philadelphia. And I'm not saying that it's the level of the Warriors, but if you were to, to, to put one player to fit with Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons Tobias Harris would be like the perfect player to to add to that mix and This will be like the first opportunity he gets to really make noise in the playoffs And I'm really excited to see like what he'll do at that stage because I don't think he's ever really been at, On that stage
1: before. I mean, I think we're we're assuming they're going to be on that stage uh, which talent-wise I feel like is a fair assumption uh, I love Tobias Harris. I've been a huge fan of him. I would strongly disagree with the he fell on his face in Detroit thing. I definitely agree with you that he is a, or rather not a number one option. I feel like in Philly, if he is your number four or number three option, you're in a really good place. The thing about Philly that I keep coming back to, because I really want to like the talent. I really want to love them. I really want to believe in them. I think Jimmy Butler wants to... He knows how he wants to play, knows how he wants to be used. I, I get the vibe that that, that his thoughts on that are more important than it, than the team at this point. He, he, he needs to be 20, 25 points a night. He needs to have a significant impact on that win for him to be fully happy. He
0: wants to be the reason
1: they win. He wants to be the reason they win. You know, when I watch Philly, I'm like, I want to be blown away. I feel like I should be blown away with the, with just those three guys. Not mind you, without Tobias yet and everything. But I, but I'm not blown away when I watch them. Well, we'll have to watch them
0: because Tobias Harris spaces the floor really well for them, and it it kind of creates a lot of room, especially for Joel Embiid. If you add shooting to any contending team, especially at the three, four, five positions, I think it's extremely valuable, especially come playoff time.
1: No, I agree on Tobias Harris, and I think I'm of the belief that Tobias Harris would work on almost any team. He's one of those guys that. He can do a lot. He can score a lot of different ways. He like I said, if he is your third or fourth option on a contending team, you're in really good shape. But again, the Philly thing, and and you kind of mentioned with Embiid, it's almost like Philly doesn't to me, I watch Philly and I don't really know I don't it doesn't appear to me that they know oh, this is what we do.
2: But
0: also their team has changed in a major way twice already this season. They enter the season with, you know, Robert Covington at the three uh Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid as their three best players. And then Carvington's gone. You add Jimmy Butler and you have to learn how to play and win with Jimmy Butler. And then now you add Tobias Harrison. And it, well, it changes like the framework and the makeup of that team. We just don't know what, what their identity is because honestly we
1: haven't seen this configuration before. Right. And and I think and Stan Van Gundy made a good part a good point of this on ESPN radio yesterday. Embiid and Simmons still being pretty young. All this change for a system, you know, for a team that really didn't have an identity beforehand. So it's kind of like you're throwing everybody together, and like, you know, talent went out. Whereas Golden State, when you use that example, they had a system with the three of those guys before you integrated a Kevin Durant, before you integrate a Boogie Cousins, you know, before you add other people and uh, around you, they had a system, and I don't feel like Philly has that system, and that that's why I, I'm kind of like, yeah, talent wise, they're they're ridiculous. They are a Potentially winning the East type team talent wise, but I'm still like Do they really know what they're doing yet?
0: But outside of Boston, how many of those top East contenders actually have a defined system?
1: But I think Milwaukee
0: you watch Milwaukee, you know what they want to do You know what they want to do, but it's also a new coach first year You know like you like you haven't seen this Milwaukee before and Toronto you add Kawhi Leonard and now you add Marcus. Gasol You don't know Like, they also, like, don't have a a true identity, but they're still finding ways to win games. I don't think you really know what any of these teams are truly like until playoff times. And I think Tobias Harris to Philly makes Philly more competitive against those top four, top four teams.
1: But see, I think with Milwaukee, you know what they are. That's why they added, um, Miritich. You look at Kawhi Leonard in Toronto. Kawhi is a proven NBA champion. He knows what he does. They needed to get him more space, get some of the shooters, Lowry and then more space. So they got a guy like Marcus Saul who they can dump it down to. He can either score or facilitate. So you feel, I feel like with those teams, they know what they're doing. When you watch Boston, sure, I'm of the opinion that Boston may have too many guys that want to take shots. There's not enough shots for the talent there, but you still know at the end of the games, it's going to go to either Tatum or Kyrie Philadelphia. I don't still know. I don't know at the end of the games if Simmons is going to try to run. I don't know if they're going to dump it to Embiid. I don't know if they're going to ISO Ben. Or ISO um, Jimmy Butler. I don't know what Philly wants to do. We
0: just haven't seen it before. I think that's the problem. And, and I think as they start to figure themselves out in the next few weeks, I think we'll start to see an identity from them. And Toronto, like we can't forget, like Toronto added a big piece. Like Marc Gasol is a good player, stretches the floor for them.
1: For me, the Marc Gasol trade was the biggest deal of the deadline. You look at a year ago, and this is the team that was perennial, you know, a perennial top tier regular season team in the Eastern Conference that would go in the play, you know, get a little deep in the playoffs and then kind of spurt out. So you look a year ago at DeRozan, Lowry, and Valanchunas, And now a year later, you're talking about Kawhi Leonard, Lowry, and Mark Gasol. This is a whole different thing that these are guys that I've had Toronto as the winners of the Eastern Conference. From the get-go, this trade further strengthens my belief that Toronto is the best team in the Eastern Conference.
0: Here's my issue with Toronto. You are a team that has a star who, who could leave after this year and and probably in all honesty probably will leave. To convince Kawhi to stay and sign in Toronto long-term, you'll have to be in the NBA Finals. There's no ifs ands or buts
1: about it. You'll have to make it deep, deep, deep in the playoffs. But see, I applaud Toronto because I don't think they give a damn about moving forward right now. I think they are like and this Marcus Saul trade clearly states it because Marcus Saul's window of impact is 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 small at this point, right? I don't know his his contract status moving forward. I don't have that in front of me. I'm not familiar with what his what his deal is, but Toronto is really on a We've done this for a few years and tried to like keep the group together and believe them. And now we're like, look, we're throwing everything at the wall possible to get to the NBA finals because, and especially in a world, uh, post Paul George staying in Tulsa, Oklahoma instead of going to, to LA. We have no idea what these guys are going to do. So winning probably could top everything. So you're talking about if Toronto goes to the NBA finals this year, gets a game or two from Golden State, you, if you're Toronto, you have to feel, Completely happy and completely confident in your your chances of re-signing Kawhi because you just got to the NBA Finals. And if you don't, and and I said this last summer on this show, if you if you do lose Kawhi, man, it's one of those things where you swung you swung for the fences. You have nothing to feel bad about. But that's what I'm saying. Like they like at the bare minimum, they have to make the finals. I would be shocked if they were in the Eastern Conference Finals, and and I'd be pretty surprised at this point. If they weren't in the NBA finals, let's move on though. Cause obviously the thing that dominated the trade deadline and it was kind of anticlimactic was the Anthony Davis saga. Basically how this thing went down is, you know, he is represented by LeBron James agency. Correct. Rich Paul represents him. Rich Paul represents LeBron James. Anthony Davis says, you know, he's given what seven years to new Orleans. You know, they're a small market team. They mm-hmm. haven't really been able to put the team that can, you know, around him that can compete for a championship. So he, he lets them know, Hey, I'm going to f- be an upcoming free agent. This summer he, um, he's a free agent next summer, but this summer he was able to sign a max, ex- a super max extension. He let the Pelicans know ahead of time, Hey, I'm not going to do this. The trade talk then begins from there. And New Orleans is not happy with, with LeBron and the Lakers because they feel like the, the public demand of a trade that LeBron was kind of tampering. They have conversations with the Lakers and it's leaked out that the Lakers mm-hmm. basically offered, you know, half their team. They offer all the young guys a bunch of picks. And a deal does not happen. New Orleans, matter of fact, according to Woj, doesn't even engage the Lakers in the last few days up to the trade deadline. And then the conversation, the whispers that we hear, is Danny Ainge talked to New Orleans. And now, mind you, Anthony Davis and his father came out and said Boston is not a team that he would like to sign to long term. But the conversation the the whispers come out that hey, this summer when Boston's eligible to talk to New Orleans, they will offer a package centered around Jason Tatum, who obviously is. A potential star. The Lakers are offering just young guys and picks. What did you make of this whole Anthony Davis saga?
0: First of all, there was no reason for New Orleans to make a trade right now. There, there was no reason. And they had every right to ask for the farm. They didn't really have any need to do the deal before the deadline. Um, and also we're forgetting one big thing is who gets that first round, like that very first pick? Cause that first round, that first pick is going to be Zion Williamson. And if a team really thinks that Zion is going to be like that transcendent player that a that a franchise can anchor and build around for 10, 20 years. So if the Knicks get it, sure. Like the Knicks may not have like the best assets around that first round pick, but they have the first pick. They have Zion.
1: The only real downside for New Orleans is if he gets hurt, kind of like what you said right there. If he gets hurt, then right. that throws a wrench into it. So let's all hope that he doesn't get hurt. Now you take a you you fast forward to this coming summer. The interesting thing to me. You know, I know uh, Adia said what he said: Lakers, Clippers, Knicks, right? Those were his three teams that he would sign long term with. Danny Ainge's counter to that, from you know, uh, you know, the NBA insiders, has been basically, yeah, that's fine. Then he says that we'll get him here and we'll make him, we'll, we'll turn that around. the The fascinating thing for me and the real interesting thing is, if you're Boston, is it worth the gamble? Because he's already told you he does not want to play there long. And mind you, with your Boston, you're still in that Kyrie Irving thing where you're not quite sure what Kyrie's going to do. So you're really rolling the dice on this Anthony Davis thing because Jason Tatum. Th- look, that's a. Th- I hear you. New Orleans is is upset with with um the Lakers and the tampering and all that stuff. But when Danny Ainge mentioned the name Jason Tatum, trust me, that played a role in this because Jason Tatum. Sure, the Lakers offered a ton of young talent, and Ingram is cool, and 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 Kuzma can play. But Jason Tatum is a potential perennial all-star star star in this league, right? New Orleans doesn't care where Anthony Davis wants to play. New Orleans is like, I'm going to get the best value for my superstar that I got to trade away. So a Jason Tatum is you're replacing a a megastar with a potential other star that could be a perennial all-star. You're feeling good. For Boston, it's that rolling the dice thing. If you're Danny Ainge, Shammy Ainge, what do you do this summer with relation to Anthony Davis? I mean,
0: if I'm Shammy Ainge, I... Absolutely try and trade for him because I know that Jason Tatum and Zion Williamson are, I guess, more or less that, that first pick. They're like Ferraris. Like say, if you consider Anthony Davis like a Lamborghini, right? And you're trying to get that Lamborghini from somebody and the Lakers come and offer like, Hey, we'll give you four Hondas for your Lamborghini. What about six Hondas? What about eight Hondas? You want that? Is that, is that a better offer than somebody offering maybe two Hondas and a Ferrari? Or a Ferrari and, you know, like a BMW or something. Like the, the quality of assets matters. So Lakers offering those four young guys. If New Orleans doesn't like any of those four young guys, like it doesn't matter. Like the, like what we perceive as value from the outside is one thing. And what New Orleans perceives as value is another. If I'm Danny Ainge, like
1: I 100% trade that because Anthony Davis, even if you get him for one year, Here's the the two interesting things. First off from the Lakers standpoint, it's a little bit funny and those of you that follow me on Twitter know that I think Magic Johnson is mostly a goof as a GM. It's hilarious to me that this deal, Jason Tatum was a reason, you know, he played a significant part in the in New Orleans hesitation to accept that Lakers deal and this is a guy Magic Johnson who took Jason Tatum or took rather Lonzo Ball over Jason Tatum. So that's funny part number one to me the second thing is what happens if they make the trade for anthony davis and we could be sitting here in two years and boston lost Kyrie and anthony davis and again we're just speculating nobody knows anything i'm really not worried about it like at that point like if you make the finals or you get really really far in the playoffs like that would be worth it in my mind, for one year of Anthony Davis, I'm with you, and and again, I'm you know, like I've said, I commended Toronto for taking a swing, you know, to the fences with with Kawhi. So I would applaud the same thing with with the Boston situation. I don't know to kind of wrap this whole thing up. I don't know, and again, there could be a sleeper that could come in, but I don't know that there's going to be a package that's better than Boston's. The Knicks could offer a potential first round pick. That's if they, or a potential top three or two or Zion or whoever that may be. That's such a what if they have to still win a lottery. Um, the Lakers, we know what their offer is going to be. I, you know the Clippers, they don't have those assets. So I think of the four teams, uh, three of which AD said he would resign there. I think of the four teams, Boston is clearly, you know, leaps and bounds above everybody else as far as packages they could offer to New Orleans for AD. This is Vincellus with the Detroit Free Press. Check it out: two guys and a goose. Later. (laughs) Two gods. Never mind. I'm going to leave it. Yeah, I'm going to leave it. You don't even know the name of the damn podcast, Vince. That's fantastic. (laughs) It was two gods and a goose, right? Two gods. G-O-D-S and a goose. Okay. No, 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 no. That's perfect. That's perfect. It makes it better. Two gods and a goose podcast.
0: Oh, yeah, we're back. And better than ever, this is your host, DJ Brown Sugar, and I'm melting all over your ears. And we're taking your requests at 697 392 7669. That's 132 769 6969. And this one goes out to my man Ku Cahill and his love Stanley Johnson who just went the other way he went to Milwaukee then he traveled all the way down south to New Orleans ooh I love when he goes south and also this one goes out to my mom and dad those crazy beasts and you're listening to this Sensual hour with DJ Brown Sugar, and I'll be here half the night. Pick up my clothes, and I'll walk right out of your house. More podcast us because they hate us. Welcome back we have oliver maroney on with us to discuss trade deadline stuff and other basketball related uh conversations uh oliver is host of the big three show oliver
2: how are we doing today doing good man i'm doing good how are you guys doing
1: we're great man we're
2: we're really excited to talk
1: to you i am a huge fan of the big three thing uh so you know i want to get into that in a little bit
0: but before we hop into there we do have to cover like the big elephant in the room trade deadline just passed on thursday um so, just want to get your your opinion on like what was like the the highlight of this trade deadline?
2: Uh, I think just the number of moves. I mean, I'm not even gonna go into like all the moves that happened because some of them were a lot smaller. Uh, but I mean, just like how many there were, and then you talk about how high of a caliber some of these players are. I mean, Tobias Harris getting moved, Marcus Saul, you can kind of go down the list. M- Miritich getting moved for what he got moved for. The Eastern Conference stuck out to me specifically just because, it just felt like it was like, okay, LeBron's gone. Now let's all go and see what we can do to make, be competitive. So I, I felt like that was really, um, unique. I mean, I just, I, I haven't seen that in a trade deadline in a long time. It felt like,
1: absolutely. Uh, Oliver Maroney hosts the big three show on with us. Uh, obviously the, you know, the, the major story and, and, and it kind of ended anticlimactically, but the major story of this um this trade deadline was the anthony davis thing what do you make of the entire anthony davis saga i guess we could call it a saga at this point
2: i don't know it's hard to like look i love when players like anybody who follows me or has known my work like i'm very pro player i'm totally into like players being able to do their own thing you know make their own decisions and be their own people and uh do things that maybe fans may not appreciate but You know, for their own livelihood, like that—that's what they want to do. Then, then do it. And so, you know, there's this thing I think Bill Simmons termed it pre-agency. It's getting to be like pre-agency, like 24 months uh, before, like 24 months before your contract runs out now, which is just (laughs) mind-boggling to me, like two years. But um, Anthony Davis, obviously, 18 months left on his contract. He's got uh, time to be able to spend in New Orleans, but it just feels like. Um, this specific situation like, left me a little bit distasteful, not from Anthony Davis's side of things, because I understand like he's been there a long time, he's given everything to the franchise, and the franchise has not done what they've needed to do to keep him. I mean, they just haven't put guys around him, put things around him to make him successful, and he has his right to demand a trade, but the Lakers talk specifically is what really bothered me, is just the idea that, um you know lebron james obviously who basically runs clutch sports or has a very very big say in clutch sports also reps anthony davis and when that move was made this summer i think everybody could have stood there and said yeah anthony davis is going to make a move to to the los angeles lakers and it was kind of you know whispers and things like that but to to have it actually happen the way it's transpired it's just, it just leaves a little bit of distaste in my mind just because I feel bad for the guys that LeBron's playing with currently. Um, you know, all the guys that were mentioned in the trade rumors, and he's tied to that. And that's what's different between, like, pro player and... It, I don't want to even be mean or uh, rude to, like, what LeBron is trying to accomplish here. It's just it felt like it was a little bit over the top in the sense that you're talking about um, your agency your guys uh leaking stuff or what we assume leaking stuff about players that are on your current team for this trade situation and so for me i have a real big issue with um just the way that it was done i like these young players i like the young core i like what they did and so for me like i said i I, it leaves a distaste in my mouth and uh you know it's what it is uh it's players move on, teams move on. The decision was made, and the decision still stands, but um, it looks like, you know, the fact that New Orleans stood their ground is amazing to me. I, I love that. I-, I thought it was great by them, even though they're not a-, a great basketball franchise, I don't think, the way that they've done some of their deals and stuff. The way that they handled this, I think, was pretty spot on. You know, they they listened to offers, but um, they didn't find something that was appealing enough for them, and they, they stood by what they said at the beginning of this, which is, we're not going to let some team dictate, you know, what we do.
0: Sure, yeah. I mean, this is a like a pretty crazy, you know, situation that's been going on, and it's happened now with a couple superstars, you know, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and now Anthony Davis, and it seems like a problem without a, like a meaningful solution for the next couple of years, at least until you know the next CBA you know comes into effect. But it is like the 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 uh, nature of the beast right now. So where do you think you know? Anthony Davis ends up...
2: I mean, we've seen it happen. Like you said, Kawhi Leonard you know, was rumored to go to L.A. He goes to Toronto. Uh, Paul George stays in Oklahoma City after all the rumors. I, I'm going to be surprised if LeBron stays put. Or, I mean, not LeBron. Uh, if Anthony Davis obviously stays put in New Orleans. But I'm also going to be surprised if the NBA allows the Lakers to make this happen. Um, I just am, I would be surprised if this actually happens at this point. Uh, we've seen all the rumors. We know that the clutch brand is there. We know that there's just a lot of inner workings that at at, at cost right now for the NBA. And I think it's hard for the NBA to sit there and say uh, this is okay because it's not. Uh, I don't think it is okay for um, you know an agency with a player on a certain team being able to do that I just don't think it's possible I I think it's going to be really hard for them to get Anthony Davis in an LA Laker uniform because of all the interest from other teams and a team that I you know look at the deadline Tobias Harris is traded the Clippers get a bunch of first round picks I'm really looking at the Clippers in a different way than I was maybe even a year ago and I think like a sneaky team or a sneaky destination for any of these guys like an Anthony Davis or any of the other rumored free agents out there. I think the Clippers are a team that we should be watching out for more and more as, as, as time goes on because of what they've been able to do.
0: Yeah, that's a great, yeah, yeah that's a great point. Cause the Clippers do have a lot of space now and a lot of assets to then get Anthony Davis and also potentially pair him with, you know, maybe a Kawhi Leonard decides to come or maybe they decide to get, you know, cheaper, Uh, more productive players around Anthony Davis. So that's pretty interesting. But I'm going to push that aside, put that on the back burner for now, because Anthony Davis is still a New Orleans Pelican right now. But there were a lot of moves that were done, uh, particularly in the East. It seems to be a little bit of an arms race going on at the top. So where do you see the East shaping out post-trade deadline?
2: (sighs) That's such a good question. There's so many good teams in the Eastern Conference right now. Like there's not one individually that I – uh, can kind of sit head and shoulders above another one. Um, I love what Toronto's done. Uh, I love what Milwaukee's done. I loved how ballsy Philadelphia was in going out and getting Tobias Harris. I think they did a hell of a job getting Tobias Harris. Um, but at the same time, like, just because you get Tobias Harris and you have all these players, you, know, you talk about Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid, um, Ben Simmons, uh, just a lot of guys that need a ball in their hands, and I'm I'm legitimately worried about that team come playoff time. Just who has the ball? When do they have it? How do they like decipher and move and uh, get the ball into everybody's hands to make them feel comfortable? Because somebody's gonna have to take a back seat, whether it's Harris, whether it's Jimmy Butler, and there's just no guy on that team that's gonna say like, okay, I will take a back seat. They all seem like they have their own dominant kind of uh, confidence and way, and so I'm worried about the 76ers just a little bit come playoff time. But all these teams are really talented. I can't really separate them right now. But if I were to put somebody in the playoffs and and kind of see where they they land, I, I'd like to see where the Bucks end up end up because I love what Budenholzer's done. I love Brook Lopez. The addition there has been amazing. Miritich is another player who can stretch the floor, shoot the three. They've got a ton of guys around Giannis, and they've done just an incredible job of putting shooters around him. I'm, I love that team, and I think they could go really far in the playoffs if they, if they're given an opportunity, if they're given a chance. And um, we'll see what happens. You know, Bud has has struggled in the playoffs at times. Even with those Atlanta teams, he, he definitely didn't. I don't think live up to expectations in the playoffs. So I'll be intrigued to see what other teams do defensively to try and match up against this Bucks team. Um, but. I, other other than that i mean i you know the boston celtics are kind of the unknown <laughs> it seems like everybody around that team is frustrated or not happy with the way that they're playing obviously we see the morris comments last night after they lost to the clippers it it does feel like there's a little bit of animosity boiling there and i don't know if that's just because kyrie speculation has gotten to the locker room or if it's just you know the a matter of depth they have so many guys on that team and they've all performed they've all lived up to expectations in some way shape or form in their career at some point whether it's now or whether it was the playoffs last off season or last um postseason i mean you look at a guy like rozier taking a back seat not getting as many minutes uh marcus smart doing well in in playoffs pass um kyrie irving needing the ball in his hands and ha- having that an opportunity They just have a lot of guys and and like gordon hayward's kind of the unknown right now too because he just hasn't lived up to what uh we expected and obviously the injury sets him back but what does he look like in the playoffs i mean is he even worth playing at this point for uh you know starting or playing over 20 minutes a night when you've got other guys like smart and morris and guys who've contributed and done really well in their roles this season it's really tough and i feel really bad for brad steve i mean Look, it's a good problem to have. They've got a ton of depth and a ton of really good players, but I do kind of feel bad for Brad Stevens because it all kind of rests on his shoulders right now in how this rotation happens, who gets the minutes when, uh, who gets crunch time minutes. That's a huge thing. And just, like, all the impending question marks. Does Kyrie stay? Does Rogier go somewhere else? Does Marcus Smart get traded? I mean, like, there's just so many unknowns for me, and it's like, I, I don't know, I just feels like the Anthony Davis thing kind of hurt them a little bit as well, just like the Lakers. You know, the the rumors and rumblings of all these young players going somewhere and now they have to kind of just deal with it for the rest of the season. So it is really interesting. The Eastern Conference is going to be a hell of a playoff race and I'm I'm really interested in watching it and seeing it. But I, I think right now if I was to choose, if somebody was to put you know put me a gunpoint and say you have to choose one team I'd probably go with the Bucks just because I love how they're playing right now and how they have been playing.
1: Absolutely. Oliver Maroney, uh, host of the Big Three show, on with us on Two Gods and a Goose. I want to shift gears uh, and talk about the Big Three. It's something I'm into. It's been a rating smash. I've said for a while I feel like it, it kind of combines, uh, you know, 90s or old school half court basketball with kind of, you know, three on three at, at the at the local middle school that, you know, you play with your dad type thing. So, um, you know, kind of tell us about your involvement with the Big Three and kind of what, sh- what made you get involved with the Big Three.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, I loved the idea. Uh, it was sent to me in a PR release in an email. And uh, I, you know, looked it over and was like, wow, this is a really cool idea. I've, you know, you, you just think that, like, someone had to, had to have this happen, just like you see the AFL or whatever that new football league is. Someone, there has to be another league. There has to be another way for guys to be able to play basketball at a high level. And um, when I got the release, I I reached out to uh, their PR team, said, "Hey, look, I'm, I'm look, I really want to know the inside scoop on how this even happened. Like, how did this team, how did this, or how did this league start?" And so I reached out, and they connected me with Cube, and Cube was generous enough to give me like 45 minutes for the story that I was writing, and. Uh, Jeff Koatnitz the other co-founder gave me a ton of time like tons of hours um, just talking to him and like spending time with him and getting to know like their plan and uh, so I wrote the piece and it was really good and uh, people loved it and so it um, you know it was it was something where uh, not only did I enjoy doing the piece and like talking to them about it but I generally just was interested in the players that they were grabbing and kind of how it would look and how it would be formatted and Slowly but surely like at the end of uh, I think uh second conversation with cube uh, I just threw out the idea like hey maybe we should do you know like maybe you guys should do like a show or something like that and um just just you know get a podcast have interviews have people on um to gain interest you know I, I want people to know the inside scoop on these guys and where they come from or where they played and so uh ended up you know pitching it to him and he asked me for ideas that's why I pitched it to him it wasn't like i just randomly sold them on it but um yeah maybe a month later they were like yeah let's let's do it let's do a show like how do we do it what do we want to do how do we want to run it and so I became kind of the point man to to do it and uh my involvement in the big three is much more than just that you know I connect a lot of people um have done a lot of like you know just helping the PR team and helping the social media guys and uh, being at practices, helping players out, you know, I need a shirt or I need this or I need, it, it really varies. Like my job or role with them has been really incredible. Uh, cause I get to do a bunch of different stuff and it's not all the same. And being able to see these guys, being able to be at practices with these guys, like when it's closed door, like nobody's supposed to be there kind of deal. It's been amazing. Uh, I can just play horse with like, <laughs> uh, with a bunch of different players, me and Mike Rappaport go back and forth quite frequently. um, it's just fun it's a unique experience and it's something i will never ever like take for granted because like it's just head and shoulders above any other experience i've had whether it's nba or otherwise like you just get these guys as genuine as they come like they're not there's no bs there's no you know no answers that aren't told or uh you know questions that aren't asked you know people just have fun they make fun of each other it's just a really fun environment it's totally different from any other sporting experience that I've ever had
0: that is incredible and i'm not going to let slide you had mentioned that um you played horse with somebody and i would love to hear that story and if you beat them <laughs> if they destroyed you wiped the floor with you so you got to tell that story now
2: all right so i play horse with every like a lot of guys one on one horse i challenge them all just for fun me and Ricky Davis went one-on-one. He beat me, I think it was 7-0. Uh, I didn't even get a point. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then most recently, though, I do have a brag story here, a little humble brag. But uh, So we played horse. It was, me- it was actually, um, I don't know if it's horse. It's just like shoot from a certain position. I don't even know what, it- around the world maybe? It's not really around the world, though. It's just everybody has to make the shot. Uh, in front of, like, if the guy, if the first guy in line makes the shot, then you have to make the shot. I mean, that's uh, yeah, that's kind of like horse. It's kind of like you're just horse, not keeping it
0: was score like, really. So, it's was, it, like really, it's like one letter horse. <laughs>
2: it's like yeah, basically, yeah, it was kind of like that, but we like chose different spots. So, the person okay. who, the person who was first in line got to choose where it was. So, it was me, Bonzi Wells, Robert Height, and I don't remember the last person. There was another player that was involved. I can't even remember, um, and then me and. One other dude, so it's five people, and we go in this line, and uh, I, la- I I ended up being third, which is like pretty insane. That's not bad at I all. I beat Bonzi. I got I knocked Bonzi out actually. So <laughs> I hit the shot, and then Bonzi missed it, and Bonzi's gonna claim that it never happened. Uh, and that's a story that I yeah like he didn't want me to say anything like no 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 it's <laughs> like d- don't be going on bragging about it. But uh, that is true. It happened. I beat Bonzi Wells in a game. Wow. Of- i guess you could say pig or horse yeah and uh yeah man every week it's someone new like uh it was me uh, me and ryan Hollins went at it one time we've got quite i mean we just got like a bunch of guys that have fun like they enjoy it and uh it's just like oh me and Scal have gone at it multiple times uh mamba. And, <laughs> and brini okay that guy talks a lot of trash but he's uh he's very good um <laughs> he can shoot the basketball so i've challenged him to horse twice i've lost both times i think i got one letter on him once uh and that's it so my basketball skills are not great um but I, getting letters on professional basketball players in some way shape or form it's commendable i, I don't feel as bad
0: oh <laughs> <Hell> yeah <laughs> So. Looking forward to this upcoming season of the Big Three and potentially who you'll be beating in horse this year. Um, yeah. There were a couple of former Pistons, and both Keith and I are Pistons fans and slappies, yeah, whatever sure. you want to call us. Um, but we saw a couple of former Pistons added to the draft. Steve Blake, Will Bynum. Uh, who is the most exciting new addition to the draft this year that you personally are looking forward to seeing play in the Big Three?
2: Lamar Odom, because I just wish that he was playing in today's NBA. Like I, I wish like you could transform... like. Go back 10 years to Lamar Odom, or maybe even more than that. I think it's about 10 years, give or take, for when he was like, you know, he was playing well with the Lakers and stuff like that. I think, uh, just because of the way that, you know, obviously his size, the way he can move, just the way he could play, just such. It's not just a big name. It's just somebody that I thought could be so good in today's NBA. That's 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 a guy like he would be perfect for one of these teams that we're talking about. You know, the Milwaukee Bucks or. Uh, even the Lakers, you know, the Lakers could use a guy like him. Uh, not today, obviously. Like I said, it, let's let's. You know, I'm not here to be uh, Ice Cube or someone like that, and and really um, put some noise out there. But if Lamar was in his prime, playing with any of these teams, I think it'd just be unique and different because he is exactly what players try to be like. You know, he could hit the three, he could drive in. Uh, dish he had all of it and he had size with it and that's just it was rare at the time but he was kind of the first of that positionless basketball kind of era with like Dirk Nowitzki and some of these other guys that could hit outside drive inside um, just a unique player so I'm really excited to see him but Steve Blake it's interesting um I think it was high school uh, I was asked like what basketball player would you most want to be in like a school newspaper or something like that and I said Steve Blake because my shot looked like ident- like when I shoot, it looks identical to see Blake. Like I really need to use my right hand quite a lot. And the left hand is like not really guiding anything. It's just like there.
1: <laughs> That's funny. Oliver Maroney with us. He's the host of the Big Three show. Uh, just, just killing it with, with the good stories right now. Uh, one more Big Three question I had for you. Um, obviously, one of the most popular elements of the Big Three is the four-point zone. Uh, Do you like it and would you want to see that in the nba because there's a lot of people That would love to see that in the nba man
2: There's a lot of scoring in the nba anyways Like I don't really understand why you wouldn't want to have it. Uh, I think it challenges guys Um, it is I will tell you right now It's really damn hard to hit like I can't I don't have enough strength in my arms to even like reach that without like putting some extra muscle behind it whether it's with my legs you know getting an extra step almost like a hardened travel-esque kind of thing where i get like an extra half step to shoot it uh just because i don't have the muscle or the strength to be able to like hit that like as a jumper but you look at some of these other guys i saw rex chapman hitting a couple four point shots when we were in kentucky and uh he hits it like easy but there's a lot of guys out there that could that could do it uh gilbert You know, uh, Gilbert Arenas came to one of our practices. He drained, like, four in a row. I have, like, video of it on my Instagram. And um, Yeah, it would just be fun to see in the NBA. I'd love to see it because, like, Curry could hit it. There's a few other guys that could definitely hit it. And I'm sure they would take them, too, like, if they had the chance. Um, It just makes the game more fun. Like, all these things are just to add to the entertainment value of the game. And to me, like, the NBA, this is all entertainment. Like, Twitter, all the stuff that I do ever – none of it is meant to be super serious. Like, this is fun. This is enjoyable. Like, we need to take this, um, take all of it with a grain of salt and just realize, like, it's fun to be a part of, it's fun to watch, and it's enjoyable. And so that's how I've always felt. So I would love to see it in the NBA.
0: Absolutely. Like, I've always felt like the big three feels like a three-on-three game at the Y. And actually, there is a player who has been floating in and out of the NBA who pretty much destroys competition at the Y, but not so much in the NBA. So just wanted to ask you one last bonus question. How long until Carmelo Anthony joins the big three? Oh, man,
1: you're wrong. You are wrong. You do not, Oliver, you do not have to answer that. That's a ridiculous.
2: Cool. Nah, no, it's cool. Uh, you know, I, I would like to see him back in the NBA, to be honest. like I feel this is how I feel, and this is just my personal opinion, because I feel like a lot of people will bash Carmelo Anthony, and uh, they can say what they want, but the man can still score the basketball. He just needs to find the right team he needs to find a team that he can he can be around like he can mold around and it sucks because the killer I thought that the rockets I, yeah <laughs> I mean that would honestly the killer threes would be the worst team to put him on because uh, they struggled last year anyways and Ron Artest wants the basketball in his hands quite frequently as well along with Steven Jackson Steven Jackson likes putting up like 20 shots a game so uh, I would say like if he was in the big three maybe a team like I don't know, Tri-State has Amari Stoudemire and Nate Robinson. I think he could work pretty well with them because uh, Amari, even in the big three, just like he doesn't take it low very often. He doesn't like banging the post too much. Um, he's kind of moving around, you know, leaving handoffs to Nate Robinson, and that would be a fun core to like see. But, um, yeah, in terms of the NBA, I, I would love to see Carmelo back in the league in some way, shape, or form. I, I just I keep saying the Knicks are going to tank anyways. Why can't you just put Carmelo on the team and let him run? Like, play him 30 minutes a night, let him score 20 points a game, and at least have the garden, like, uh, as the kids say, lit.
1: As the kids say, lit. Absolutely. (laughs) Oliver Maronios to the Big Three Show. Uh, fantastic, man. You have to come back on uh, back on with us again. Let them know before you leave. Let the people know uh, where they can find you on social media, and, and it's a must-follow, so let the people know.
2: I appreciate it, guys. No, it's uh, at NBA. You can find all my stuff there. Like I said, I like to have fun. This is enjoyable. This is entertainment. It's not about, you know, w- look, it is about wins and losses and watching playoff games and stuff like that, but uh, I, yeah, Let's 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 create a positive basketball watching environment, and uh, that's what I try and do. So, if you like that sort of thing, would appreciate the follow. But uh, appreciate you guys too for having me on, man. This is uh, this is a lot of fun, and enjoy both of you guys. Enjoy following both of you guys. You guys do good stuff on social, and uh, Shams, I've seen a lot of your work. So, good stuff, <laughs> and uh, appreciate you, you guys. Thank oh, you. Podcast. All right, you know how we
1: end each and every show. It is my dad's favorite segment. Oh, Jesus. You already know, big boy. <laughs> and now it's time for Ask DJ Brown Sugar. So hashtag Ask DJ Brown Sugar on Twitter are the questions. Uh, DJ Brown Sugar has Sham let you know how this segment usually goes. It's rapid fire.
0: Oh, yeah, Sham prepped me and got me
1: all nice and warmed up. All right, this is going to be wildly uncomfortable. Uh, question number one. Justin Bieber said marriage is hard. Do you agree? Justin
0: Bieber said what is hard?
1: Uh, who will replace Nick Saban one day?
0: Anybody, because Nick Saban ain't that special. But you know what? T.J. Brown Sugar can step in that role.
1: Our friend at I'm Martin High asked, what's the perfect song to make love into?
0: Oh, this one's really easy. It's Let the Bodies Hit the Flow.
1: Uh, LeVar Ball said his son Lonzo is better than LeBron James. Do you agree?
0: Oh, no, baby. LeBron James is a big bad man.
1: Can Orlando save Markel Fultz?
0: Orlando can save anybody. Markel Fultz is just another person in Orlando
1: at Kev Cage asked why do we call it shampoo if it's supposed to clean our hair
0: They call it shampoo because every time Sham and DJ Brown Sugar are in the shower they end up dirtier than when they first walked in
1: Skechers stock has soared recently and they've had a record year are you getting a pair of Skechers?
0: oh no baby I go barefoot with that robe and a pipe hanging out my mouth fire crackling in the background that's what DJ Brown Sugar does it And don't forget, you can request us at 392-697-6969.
1: Is Nick Foles quarterback... The number
0: is 692-734-6969.
1: Is Nick Foles quarterback Fools Gold?
0: Nick Foles is a handsome mother I'll tell you that.
1: Coke is introducing a new flavor, orange vanilla. Are you excited?
0: Oh, I love Coke. You put a little bump in my nose and you get me rocking all night long.
1: U.S. authorities have confiscated almost a billion dollars worth of meth bound for Australia in the largest ever seizure on American soil. Thoughts?
0: Oh, I do a lot of stuff on American soil and it sure feels and looks like seizures.
1: Uh, Zac Efron has been cast as serial killer Ted Bundy, is that a good casting?
0: Oh, Zach Efron is a bad man with those washboard abs. Baywatch body. He'll be great in anything. And don't forget, you can hit us at 392-769-7573. That is 697-732-4973.
1: That is hashtag Ask DJ Brown Sugar. That is the Valentine's Day episode. Uh, Sham, what did you think about the Valentine's Day episode?
0: Oh, I thought it was great. Definitely top 10.